my experience in, in we'll say in the field has proven that they're not wrong. Like there are demons running around and it's not very likely that you're going to run into one, but they exist. Like that's a real fucking thing. And angels are real. They're not what you probably think they are, but they're real, you know? Um, and yeah, there's fairies. And yes, there are spirits of the dead. And all of these things are running around all the damn time and you're running into them. You just don't even know it, you know? And this really truly became my experience. You know, in my tradition, we re refer to life as the lonely road. You are you are alone on this road. And yeah, you may have partners that you're going to meet along the road and they're going to travel with you for a while. But at the end of the day, all of the decisions you make, all of the, the direction you hope to, to gain from the decisions that you make, that's all up to you. Welcome to the Spirit Box podcast, where we explore magic, esoterica and the world of the spirits and everything in between. For episode number 46, it is my great pleasure to welcome the charming, debonair, and knowledgeable Devin Hunter. Devin is the best-selling author of the Witch Power series and is the creator of ModernWitch.com, which includes the podcast, blog, and magazine. And as well as that, he's a professional psychic, medium, and occultist. He's part owner of the Mystic Dream in Walnut Creek, California, and an initiate of multiple occult orders, including his own. Sacred Fires, and is the co-founder of the Black Rose tradition of witchcraft. He's been featured in multiple publications and is a frequent presenter and keynote speaker at conferences and festivals throughout uh, the States, obviously when we used to have them. So in this show, we talk about the formative psychic experiences that led him down his path. We discuss how his witchcraft is unique to him and how one's journey, or the lonely road as he calls it, is something we all will undertake if we're called to this this territory he outlines how we must honor our individual experiences and not always try to rationalize things from a left brain perspective that the goal should be to balance both left and right sides of our brains and give that rounded holistic perspective to our experiences Devin gives his view of a crystal i picked up many years ago which i was delighted with and in the Plus show, we get into crystals in, in some depth, and um, Devin really has a remarkable uh, level of insight to, to offer in, in this area. We talk about the forces found within the crystal types, the divas and the dragon, a uh, subject that he go, will go into in, in further depth in his, in his upcoming book, but you'll hear about it first here. If you want to hear the Plus show, then sign up to the Patreon and you'll get the Plus show along with a host of other benefits that end if you like the spirit box and want to support it there are a number of ways you can do so there's the aforementioned patreon where you can get the plus show and you can just hit the paypal link that's on every youtube video and in my link tree i'm always interested in people's experiences with the other from hauntings to shadow people to aliens to fairies and if you have a story to tell reach out and tell me you can get me on patreon twitter or on insta but i'd, I'd love to hear from you so do feel so you know do feel you can do that if you feel compelled to okay let's get on with the show Devin hunter you're very welcome to the spirit box it's great to have you on the show i'm super excited thanks for having me Oh, this is brilliant. I'm really, really chuffed to have you on the show. Um, as we were just chatting just before uh, we, we hit the record button, I've been following uh, you for a while. Um, so I'm really chuffed to have you on the show. It's, 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 it's fantastic. Um, and I, to, to get things uh, on, on the road and to get things moving, um, would you be able to tell us a little bit about yourself and your work? Uh, yeah. Um, so I am an author and I have a, a book, I have a book series out called the Witch Power Series, um, which is three books, uh, the Witch's Book of Power, the Witch's Book of Spirits, and then the Witch's Book of Mysteries. And combined, they are, I, I tried my darndest to um, represent what I thought would be a kind of an intermediate to advanced approach for witches who want to further their craft, who maybe felt that they had you know, reached a, a stumbling block in their own practice or really weren't sure how to move forward. So many of us are self-taught that um, if you don't necessarily have, you know, a tradition that you're aligned with or a teacher, um, it can be really difficult to just know, you know, how to get from one point to the next. And so 
in this in the series, that's, that's what I tried to address. I tried to open up um, and share some things from my tradition, the Sacred Fire tradition of witchcraft, and just give witches a, a chance to just do something else, to just go further and deeper. And so, um, I mean, you know, honestly, it's it can be kind of its own complete magical system unto itself. But the idea was that it would provide opportunities for people to, you know, invite things into their own practice. It isn't necessarily about taking that practice and duplicating it, but more so getting nourished by it and then, you know, adding what you want. Um, and then I kind of switched gears and I started working on a book called Modern Witch, uh, Spells, Recipes and Workings with Llewellyn. Um, and that is, that was a long time coming. So it's a picture book um, and <laughs> it's a picture, it's a pictorial formulary uh, for witchcraft and going over the the five main types of, of magics that we tend to do. Um, and this is based off of, I, I have been working in metaphysical stores since I was 16. And so I, there's, there's a, you know, a certain, there's like a certain set of things that people just tend to come to witches for. Um, and that witches tend to be always on the lookout for. And that tends to be stuff that has to do with money magic and love magic, protection, divination. Um, and when we put all that together, there's really just the roots and bones of, of contemporary witchcraft, all of our practices and the things that we do, why we do them, you know, it's, it can actually all be found hidden in these spells and in these workings. And so, um, that's what we did. We, we, we took those spells and those workings and those concepts and we broke them down and gave everybody a pictorial view of, you know, how do you, if you're, you read a spell in a book, you don't know what it's supposed to look like when it's done. Right. If you're supposed to make an amulet or a talisman, you read all this stuff. Well, what the hell does that look like? Um, so that's what we tried to address with that book. So that was that's been really fun. That just came out um, at the beginning of this year, right before COVID hit. Um, so it uh, it was it had an interesting launch, but um, I'm really proud of it. And uh, Llewellyn was really happy with it too. So we decided to move on to what I'm working on now, uh, which is a book called Crystal Mystic. At least that's the the tentative name, and it's going to be kind of the same idea. Um, it's looking at crystals and the mineral kingdom as allies in our practice um, and going in and looking at things from a very visual perspective um, so that we can get the most out of our partnerships that we have. Um, so I've been around for a while. I've, I've got a podcast called Modern Witch. Um, we've been out for 10 years. We just had our 10 year anniversary um, and I've been teaching and I've been kind of in the, if you're here in the United States, I, you might've seen me at a festival or two. Um, so I, I, I love witchcraft. I, I came to it quite honestly, and it's just, I can't get rid of it and it can't get rid of me. So, I mean, you know, that's, that's kind of the skinny, I guess. Awesome. I, I love it. Um, and to, to just commend you on the, the, the use of, of, of like proper visuals in, in books, I think is, is, is super helpful. Um, like I'm, um, I'm, I'm dyslexic, so like even though I'm an avid reader I still get that thing where I'm like oh, what the hell did I just read I have to go back through it several times so visual learning is is such a you know it's it's such a benefit to people you know in, in a broader context and kind of I guess you know helping people with, with different ways of learning you know um, get into witchcraft and properly uh, assess things and I love that the idea of like what does success look like here's a good representation of that that's fantastic um, no, I really commend you on that and uh, we will get into crystals later because we were chatting earlier about that um, that beast I have from the Himalayas um, which I'll, I'll put a picture in the YouTube video of this for people to see. Um, and uh, we, we, we can chat about that as well. Um, what was I going to say as well is, so you mentioned when you were 16, you started working in a, a cold shops. And um, I, I've really noticed speaking to people who, who are in this kind of broad space of exploring, um, you know, I guess exploring, the world and their relationship to the world and uh, and the other and 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 them um, really trying to to improve themselves through self-mastery be it through uh witchcraft or through ritual magic or, or whatever practice people have there's some kind of kickoff experience that they can they can they can pick out from their past that whether they saw something when they were a kid or, or they picked up a specific book when they were a kid and i want to ask you is there something like that in in, in your past yeah um 
I I would totally say that. I we 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 kind of jokingly refer to that. What's your root? What is the root of your of your weirdness? Um, you know, it's uh, I was a weird kid, so I came to witchcraft at, at a young age. I was lucky enough to have a father who was kind of agnostic pagan, um, and he my parents were divorced, and so I think looking back on it now, I, I'm sure it was his way of, of A, just trying to connect with me and, and share an interest, but also B, I think it was a way of like poking my mom who had become this born again Christian. Um, I would go over to his place, you know, during the summer times or, um, you know, every weekend here every once in a while, and we'd go to the bookstore and we'd spend time looking at witchcraft books and tarot decks and things like that. And he was somebody I could go and talk to about things and um, so he got the, he kind of planted the seed, but it it really came from this, I was a really weird little kid. I, I mean, I look back on it now and, and, you know, I was, I think I was cute and charming for, you know, a little kid too, but I was definitely kind of creepy. Um, I would, I was always talking to spirits um, and there's, there's lots of stories in the family about um, very strange things happening when that would happen. And um, I I, they were real and the experiences were, were real enough for me and my family that even my mother, who was this born again Christian, took what I was experiencing very seriously. So, um, you know, I, what I would refer to as angels at the time uh, would come and visit and talk to me and tell me things about um, all kinds of stuff. Like my mom was working in a nursing home and she was kind of, she didn't get along with another employee. And um, I, was told just one day at lunch, I was just, I remember sitting down eating my little ravioli from Chef Boyardee and looking at the wall and having this conversation with this, with the spirit that showed up and said, Hey, your mom needs to know that she's making life really hard for this woman. And if she knew that they had something in common, um, she, she really, you know, she would take it easier on her. And that was kind of the gist of it. So I remember like just very nonchalantly just going up to my mom and saying, mom, you're being a bully. And she's like, what are you talking about? You know, it really, what, it was just this, you know, stupid internal work stuff. But it turns out this woman was going through a divorce, um, but she was Catholic. So she didn't, you know, want to talk about it. And um, she was going through a hard time. My mother was going through a divorce as well. And, um, and so, you know, they did, they did have that kind of friendship thing there. So, you know, just weird little things, things I should have known, things I, I, I don't even necessarily know how I knew. Um, I was this psychic kid. And um, the big kicker was, I, I remember, it's one of my earliest memories, waking up, it was the middle of winter and, and where I, I live now in California, there's not a lot of snow here, but where I grew up, there's lots of snow. And um, my mother was going on her way to work. And this was back in the day when you didn't have to wear a seatbelt, it wasn't a law. And um, she never did. She didn't like the feeling of them. So I woke up because something told me she was going to get into a car accident. And I, and I didn't even really know what that meant. I just knew it was bad. And um, so she's on her way to work. It's, it's really early. It's like six in the morning. And um, I woke up and I remember I have my little tidy whities on and I put uh, galoshes on and I go running out as she's getting ready to start the car up. And I'm just screaming bloody murder and um, telling her she can't go, she can't go. And uh, I made her promise put her seatbelt on. And so, you know, cause she was like, Devin, I gotta go to work. Um, and so she went on her way to work. She got into a four car pileup and if she hadn't had her seatbelt on, it would have been a very bad thing. And um, it was, that was the, the start for us. I think as a family was, was really being like, okay, this is more than just, you know, my kid gets a, a weird feeling here or there has an overactive imagination. Um, and, you know, and then we ended up, my mom was, was very into trying to have a house for us and try to give us a, a, a you know, a place to live that wasn't a city. And so we ended up moving out to a, uh, a very rural area in Ohio that um, is just in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's this, this little town called Russellville, Ohio. And uh, we lived in a farmhouse there for about nine months. And it was the, it was haunted as all get out. It was, it was a very, very, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, it was, it was really fucking haunted. So it's, um, it, you know, I look back on it now and it, it's just part of my, my history. But when, when I'm talking about it with people, I realize like not everybody had the same experiences that I did. Like not everybody was, was dealing with the stuff that I was dealing with as a kid. And, um, 
that's when things got scary. So, you know, before it was all these positive things, right? It was this quote unquote angel coming down. And I don't really know that they, it was an angel. I, you know, especially nowadays with, with the expanded vocabulary, I'd, I'd probably call them something very different, but um, you know, everything up to that point had been really positive and, and um, I didn't feel bad or scared. And so I was, you know, life was actually pretty good. And then we moved into this farmhouse and it was the, it was my mother's ideal home. It was beautiful and old and um, had three stories. And it was just such a big difference from us living in this little apartment. And uh, it was really cheap too. Huh. And so um, I remember um, showing up to look at the house before we moved in, because it had been vacant for a couple months and there were like dead, and it's the weirdest thing. I mean, I, no one ever believes me when I say this, but there were dead flies just covering the stairs that go like all the way up to the third floor. And I remember, you know, who I would refer to as like my spirit guide now um, being like saying, this is not good. Like, you don't want to be here. You don't want to live here. And I remember telling my mom, I didn't get a good feeling and it scared, the house scared me. Um, and my sister was like, there are dead flies all over these stairs. What the hell? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> We're not moving into this house. Um, but we did anyway, cause it was cheap and it was in an apartment and it was out in the country. And my mother had grown up with being able to go visit the country and, um, rural, you know, rural areas. And she really thought it would be a benefit. So this was her dream, you know? So we, we moved out and I had probably the most terrifying nine months of my life that just proceeded. I mean, it was things I mean I, I had everything from being attacked by like bees in the middle of winter or bees or wasps we think they were some sort of weird bee um it was middle of winter and they were over the windows and it was just very a lot of really screwed up things that probably I should write about and like turn into a, a movie someday just because yeah. I, I don't even believe most of it mm. um and my you know when I go back and we, we talk about it my mother has um you know her own kind of take on what was happening mm. but you know, we, we were living in a house that was part of the Underground Railroad, um, which really? here in the States was, oh, yeah, wow. and it had built in, um, like, there's, there's a kind of a, the second story was like a half story, and you could lift up the stairs, like, they actually lifted up um, to reveal this hidden nook that people could go and hide in, and it was, wow. like, part of the, the construction of the house, or it had mm -hmm. been modified to include it. Um, and it was, it was really fucked up. There was some really dark stuff that happened in there. And mm -hmm. that was when it all got to the point where I, I knew I couldn't just pray my way out of it. I couldn't just, right. you know, things weren't just going to be messages about my mom's coworkers for my whole life. The things yeah. were going to get, were going to go in a different direction. Yeah. So that was, the, that would, that was when I started to ask my dad about um, weird things that I had also picked up, you know, along the way that, you know, I'd, I'd be talking to somebody or something and, um, something would come up about like the idea of reincarnation and that was very not at all what I had been raised with but um, right. I just knew that it was such a waste of it like that I remember being a little boy and, and saying well that's a waste hmm. like why like the soul is really complex why would we just live once and go away like that doesn't make any so I remember just these little things and then asking my father who then I was able to share some of the darker scarier things with Right. And um, and that was my kind of introduction to getting into witchcraft was actually looking for answers um, to help me understand some of the darker phenomenon that I was experiencing as a little mm. psychic kid. Mm. Yeah, that's that that's um, I mean, I, I definitely relate to the, the kind of the haunted farmhouse thing. I mean, it happened to 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 um, to my family a bit. We're probably a bit older, like um, certainly around kind of like um kind of just like first year in university and my parents had moved into kind of a parochial old house in 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 the west of ireland and um i remember going back there for the first time and it was just the vibe like you know you walk into the place you're like whoa <laughs> something's wrong in here and like there was uh there was a spare bedroom um and i went into go into that spare bedroom i was going to stay there over christmas and i just basically turned on my heel and walked out and said there's just no way to the point where like you know there was two myself and my brother sharing a room <laughs> in our early 20s because i was like i'm scared of that other room and i can feel it there's something wrong but i had a, i had an experience with it where i am um, i was going down the stairs and uh i fe i felt like i'd been tripped just towards just halfway down the stairs 
and I, I did a proper face plant down the stairs. I, I still get like shit off my brother. He's like, you're just an idiot who fell down the stairs. I'm like, I'm not a hundred percent. I genuinely felt something happened that um, helped me on my way, so to speak. But we had the whole thing. We had the kind of the, 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 the steps in the night, all that kind of stuff, doors opening and closing with nobody else in the house. But then it kind of culminated with my um, my dad waking up to seeing the spirit in the house standing over him. And it was, uh, we found out a bit more of the history of the house. And it was um, like, um, like consumption went uh, through, uh, like tuberculosis went through Ireland in like the 1940s, 1950s. And, and it, it, it was, there was an epidemic of it. And um, it was two twin brothers that lived there and, and one of them died of consumption. And he was just kind of standing there, kind of. And he, my, my dad said he got the vibe off from that. That, that, that he was sort of, "What are you doing in my house?" You know. And to be fair, we oh. agreed. We were like, <laughs> "You're like, you're, you're right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> right. We'll we'll move. You you stay here." Um. But yeah, no, I definitely feel you on on, on that one. But I, but ultimately, that that point of yours, you know, looking for answers, and that, and that starts the path, you know, and. And through your journey, when you reflect on those moments, you know, when you were experiencing say, some of the darker stuff, some of the more heavy stuff, you know, what has your experience brought you with when you look at those moments? Like what, what, what position do you feel you're in now? And what advice would you give, say, to, to young Devin or some, uh, some of the people who are young people who are experiencing that kind of stuff now? Um, yeah, that's actually a, that's a tricky one. Um, one of the things that I've, I've been kind of personally dealing with, and, and it's, it's good, it's a beautiful thing, but, um, has just been the idea of looking back on my past and, and trying to figure out, you know, how did I get here? Because, you know, I got books and these things. And, and that was, I think as a young person that was, um, not even on the table. And as I got older, the idea of doing it was just, just a pipe dream and then suddenly you know books are coming out and things are happening and um i'm on tv and just crazy shit and it and it it's it all happened so quickly and i've been so focused just on working that um you know with the pandemic everybody's been forced to just kind of sit and deal and you can't really run away from your shadow or or hide from it or you know kind of cram it in a corner and i realized that there were a lot of experiences as a child that com really completely shaped my not just my worldview but you know how I look at myself and how I look at um, what I'm capable of and you know I went back and forth from very much feeling cursed and like I was because it you know when this when you don't have control over what you're experiencing when you're a, a psychic sensitive everything is over. I mean, it really becomes overwhelming, and especially when you're a kid and puberty kicks in, it gets way worse. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm a very, very different person than I, you know, than I was then. But um, I look back on it and I think, you know, gee, what would, I, what would life have been like if I would have known how to, you know, turn it off, right? Or if I would have known how to, at the very least, kind of dull it so that it wasn't so loud and in my face, because when people talk about dealing with like depression and anxiety and, you know, these sorts of things, I, I, I can reflect and go, oh, that's kind of what it feels like to be constantly plugged into something. And, you know, you don't know, you know, why am I sad today? What's going on with that? Like, I, I, I can look and be logical and say, you know, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, you know, let's, let's do something to get out of that mindset. And I can do that now. But when I was a young person, there's no way you know, and um, I went and talked to doctor. I mean, we did everything. We, we really, truly, we did all the things because, you know, we're as spiritual as my family can be there. My, my father was um, an electrician who, an electrical engineer who built robots and shit. So he was very, very like left brain. And I think that's why he reserved that kind of agnostic view about things. And I, so I, you know, I grew up with this idea that like, okay, well, not everything is going to be spiritual and, and everything can be explained through science. And, and I still hold on to that. And that, that, you know, propose that kind of poses its own problems from time to time as an occultist. But, um, 
you know, I, we, we did all the things we, we went, I talked to a therapist when I was younger, we thought, you know, maybe there was something chemically wrong. Like we did all of the things and, um, no, I was fine. I'm fine. You know, it was just, there were these things that would happen and it was very, you know, I can look back on it now and see it was very spiritual in nature, but not really knowing that. And when I would lean in on the idea that it was spiritual because of the um, Christian evangelical influence that was around, it automatically turned into crisis because it was like spiritual warfare. The devil's trying to, I, I was excommunicated from the church I was going to when I was 13 because they, they uh, thought I was basically, the word was I was um, in quote unquote, infecting the youth group um, with, with the devil uh, because I had been dabbling in witchcraft and nobody knew about it, but the, somebody found out it was a whole thing. Um, and so, you know, they knew that I was the weird kid who had really weird dreams and that I um, knew things that people didn't, you know, I was the weird kid. And um, so it was, I, I experienced this really strong bias, or, you know, at a young age um, that, that took away all my friends and um, it was hard. So, I, you know, I look back on it and I think, well, what would life have been like if I, you know, like I could have turned it off or I could have controlled it better. Um, and, the, you know, the truth is you learn to control those things through experience. You know, you have to be exposed to uh, you know, aggressive energies to know what to do when you run into them, you know, otherwise it's all just theory. And so I, 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 if I could tell young Devin anything, it would just be to find a way to stay calm and grounded and not get overwhelmed by everything, you know, being, I was a gay kid, you know, and so that was hard enough. And then you add this, this spirit shit and, you know, all of it. it was, it was a rough, adolescence it was a really rough adolescence and um i i would that would be my message would just be to find a way to you know stay true to yourself and and stay grounded because there's you know all you can do is is read and and you know talk to people and all of all of the stuff that we tend to do but until you are faced with with some of the the weirder aspects of things you don't really know what to do and and i was still left unprepared because even when i got into paganism um you know, my, my witchcraft at first wasn't at all pagan, and then I got very pagan, and then now I've kind of gone the opposite direction again. Um, and when I got into paganism, there really weren't any answers. Paganism um, tended to focus on kind of this recreation of some ancient faith or something, and and that tended to be kind of the the vibe all around. And so when I would show up and say, I feel like there's this spirit that has been following me around for a couple of days. I don't really know what to do about it. They would look at me like I had four heads. And, um, you know, when I would start talking about, you know, um, different types of spirits and different types of interactions, I was, I was still an outsider, even among, you know, the weirdos. Um, and so it, it was hard, you know, there was, there, I didn't really find a home. Um, I found, people that were kind of like what I was or kind of knew what I was talking about, but it, it really was, it was hard to feel accepted anywhere, you know? Um, and that was, I mean, you look back and you can see, cause I've been super public for about 11 years now and you can go back into like my earlier stuff and you can totally see the progression of, of this guy who was just trying to, um, you know, worship the goddess and, and, you know, be super pagan guy and, and you know, unite the pagan community and do all of the stuff, and then you just go through your own stuff in life, and you're you're watching the overall pagan community kind of sway back and forth and argue, and you just kind of realize like this isn't what I want, and um, that it was a long trip, and it was to get to that point of just being like, no, I'm here, to do, I'm here to do me, and if y'all want to come, you can come and hang out. That's cool. If not, don't worry about it. <laughs> like, there's no no harm, no foul. Um, and it all gets back down to just being authentic and being grounded. You know, it's the same. I, I think I still have the same lessons to learn at 34 that I had, you know, when I was 14, just presented in a new way. Uh, I love that. I think that's uh, a fantastic answer. Yeah. And, I, and I hope people starting out in their journey who might be listening to this podcast get a lot from that. I'm, you know, I'm 44. I'm 10, I'm 10 years on you and I'm getting stuff from it. That's really, uh, really, really insightful. And I, th I think, um, I, I think that, 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 that last point you, you made it, but it always comes back to yourself. 
and to your own sense of self and your own journey is 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 hugely important you know um particularly when you know when you're a teenager or when you're a kid when you know fitting in is almost what everybody's trying to do you know we all kind of we we will we'll have our our group we'll have our tribe our clique and you know we'll have the the the, the set group of 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 bands or 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 clothes whatever it is that that define us and we're defined by those we're defined by external things and then you know as you get more centered and get more comfortable in yourself you're defined by who you are you know who you are internally but it's a it's a hard journey to find that to find that centric space and as core of yourself and and um you know i I do think that a lot of the the journey through magic, whatever whatever uh, form of that you you, you um, subscribe to, I, I do think at its absolute core is a journey, uh, as we all know, of of self mastery, of self discovery. But it's to teach you to be comfortable with the isolated journey of the self, which I think really separates it from Abrahamic journey, you know, from the Abrahamic view of spiritual progression because there's always an intermediary there's always kind of well I got to go through got to go through the priest got to go through the imam got to go through the rabbi you know and there's teachers here as well but but ultimately it's it's yourself and your connection with God and that to me I think is is often can be a lonely journey particularly when you're working through the bits that that you need to work on you know where you find out about yeah in my tradition um so when I started Sacred Fires, it was really, it was, I had been teaching this class for a year um, that was centered on the mysteries of Aradia. I'm a, I'm a Deanist, so I, I worship Diana, the goddess of witches, and not the Roman goddess in the woods with a bow and arrow and a bunch of chicks. Like, that's not, you know, that's great. She's great. She's wonderful. She's an aspect of, of, of the aspect of, you know, the god that I work with. But um, I am particularly devoted to the the goddess of witches who cares not what witchcraft you practice as long as you are practicing the craft um and so you know she's omni-traditional she's she's everywhere in all of these different shapes and forms and guises and has these many names and so you know to me the mystery behind the faces of the gods is more appealing to my soul and so that's where i tend to go i i i in i instantly I mean, I, I've been trained as a as a Wicca, as a traditional Wiccan, on the Blue Star traditional Wicca. Um, I have a high priest in that tradition, and I stepped down and, and walked away. It wasn't, uh, it didn't feel right to me, but um, there were a lot of amazing things that, that informed my practice. And then I went, I um, joined the Deanist cult, the cult of Diana, um, and worked, you know, through that system as well. And and uh, got my final initiation in that. And then I was on my own for a while and just kept looking for a place that felt like home and I couldn't really find it. And I stumbled onto the Anderson Fairy tradition of witchcraft, which is this really weird, trippy tradition that started here in California, um, right about the time that Wicca was formed um, and it grew up independently of it. And so there were there weren't the same kind of pagan influences on uh, Anderson Ferry that there were on Wicca. So Anderson Ferry tended to have a lot of, um, they, they talk about the devil a lot and, and, and the Christian, I mean, it is like the devil. It isn't just like this version of the devil. It is the devil. Um, and they were, they were, the early roots of it were seen as Satanist. And, and so, you know, which I can't, I, I giggle at that now because now that I'm initiate, I look back and go, there's no way, but um, you know, but it's interesting to, to have gone through these different traditions and seen how people who I really, really respect um, handle their magic. And what I found was that at the end of the day, everybody had their own identity when it not only when it came to magic, but when it came to God, like everybody describes God, whatever you want to call God, and it's, you know, in a unique way. And I am, um, because of, of the, the psychic stuff, there are things that I would run into that witches weren't running into, uh, especially because I was a professional psychic. So I, that's what I did for six. So when I was 16, I, I um, actually I was 15 and a half. I, I started working at a flea market. Um, there was a little occult shop in this flea market. 
and I was friends with the owner because um, she was, you know, she was a, in her mid twenties. I was, I mean, yeah, I was hella young, but I tended to hang out with older people. I think now it, it would have been so many red flags about hanging out with, <laughs> with her and her husband. But, um, but at the time I just wanted to hang out with other magical people. I didn't really care. And um, they were not doing well because it was in a cult shop and a flea market. And so um, I started going in and doing readings um, before, just before I was 16 to, um, you know, help them make rent and, and things like that. And, and they were great people and it was all amazing, but it gave me my first kind of injection into this idea that not all of us were going to be doing the same thing. Not all of us were going to, you know, it, like her husband was a Satanist and um, she worshiped, I think some, some Italian deity and, and some Egyptian deity. And it, it was very, to me, it's very, it was very odd, but it was, it was so cool you know, and um, so at a, at a young age, I, you know, 16 is pretty young, um, I was presented with this idea that it, it didn't have to look all the same, and it wasn't all the same, and in fact, the people I were hanging out with were kind of angry at this idea that what we now refer to as, like, Wiccan 8, which is this idea that, you know, the, the principles of Wicca have been kind of superimposed on so much of magic that it's hard to delineate what's, you know, what's what anymore, and um, I, you know, so for me, it, it, you know, it, it really was never about magic has never been about um, hugging a tree and connecting with the, the goddess of the land. That's not what I came to magic for. Um, I'm glad I learned to do those things. Like that's wonderful, but that I really came here to, to get a grip on scary magical experience or scary, you know, psychic experiences. And um, so my craft has never looked like other people's craft. My craft is you know, I never, I never threw the term angel out the window. Like that's a big thing I, I talk to people about um, because anything that sounds remotely Abrahamic, people freak out about because you know that's where most of us come from, the Abrahamic faiths. Um, and so they, you know, there's this idea that it's all wrong and we have to throw it all out. And um, and you know, my experience in in we'll say in the field has proven that they're not wrong. Like there are demons running around and. It's not all very likely that you're going to run into one, but they exist. Like, that's a real fucking thing. And angels are real. They're not what you probably think they are, but they're real, you know? Um, and yeah, there's fairies. And yes, there are spirits of the dead. And all of these things are running around all the damn time. And you're running into them. You just don't even know it, you know? And this really, truly became my experience. Um, and, you know, doing house calls and, um, man, when I was... 19 I, I did my first like real house call and it ended up being somebody you know and I I and again I'm pretty skeptical about things as much as I possibly can be until I exhausted all of my my reasoning and um and like one of my first experiences was going out and dealing with a man from the UK actually um who had settled in the states and was like totally having this weird spirit attachment thing going on from a punk club that he used to go to and get high at when he was a kid and he, he, he would black out and he would have these things happen and, um, and legit totally he had this really bad spirit attachment and um, and so you know I had to go in and it was very visceral it was very real it was very violent it was it was scary it was it was again just that that kind of situation you put yourself in it makes you go are you crazy for doing this are you like what's you know or are you even helping or is this all just madness and you're just you know leaning into it you know all of those things you you run into when you start to help people and you start to use whatever gift you have to to try to make the world a better place and and people you know for people like me that tends to be um looking at some of these darker things that happen to us spiritually and helping people find a way through it you know in my tradition we, we refer to life as the lonely road you are you are alone on this road and yeah, you may have partners that you're going to meet along the road and they're going to travel with you for a while. But at the end of the day, all of the decisions you make, all of the, the direction you hope to, to gain from the decisions that you make, that's all up to you, you know? And um, witchcraft for me has never really looked like what it does for other people. And I've, I've recognized that. Like, people, like the, my kind of joke is that I'm, I, witchcraft to me looks a lot more like Constantine and... Um, uh that kind of a thing that I think it does charmed or you know whatever like if I had to pick a an alignment I would say yeah that's probably more along the lines of you know kind of what I'm doing so it's 
it's it's this it it's really important to embrace that idea that you're cut out to to do your own thing like that's why you have a different face than everybody and that's why you have a different thumbprint than everybody and you know and so it's okay that your witchcraft doesn't look like everybody else's witchcraft and it's okay you know i was so wanting to be validated that's why i went and studied in all these different traditions trying to get degrees so that I could be, you know, uh, taken seriously. And at the end of the day, it was just all a waste of money. <laughs> I mean, from the perspective of I didn't get what I what I wanted out of it. The, the validation didn't come from those initiations. The validation came from me discovering who I was. And the initiations just, you know, now it, it people kind of look into an awe, but you know, I look back on it and I'm like, no, I was kind of that guy who would go from one major to the next major, just like trying to figure out what he wanted to do. And, and you know, and so I ended up creating my own thing because I, I couldn't find what I was looking for. And I think that if more of us were felt empowered to accept that, that like, okay, you're on the lonely road and, you know, do you want to find people that already have something that's kind of like what you're looking for and go hang out with them? Or do you want to create your own thing and figure out what that is. And it doesn't have to be a tradition of, of, you know, multiple people. It can be a tradition of one. You know, I always say your religion should be you. And I think witchcraft, the beautiful thing about witchcraft is that it gives us the ability to really do that and create that. I, th I think that's, a, a, again, a, a really powerful, um, really powerful statement, you know, uh, and, and, um, and, point of view that that whole concept of the the lonely road I, you know while it, it kind of pulls up kind of um melancholic images for me it does feel real you know when I, I i i definitely can identify with it and i think a lot of people out there in this area will as well you know um and just going back to 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 some of the experiences you had and you you talked about kind of um that that whole sense of there's all this different life out there there's all these different forms of, of spirit life some good some bad some ambivalent um but the whole thing's alive the whole thing is as you know as you as you say is real um that that realization um i mean it hit me a lot later in life i've always suspected it but it but it hit me a lot later in life uh when it did and and it did really to the the islamic world um and one thing that i, I found quite interesting that's quite distinct bit from um so i grew up in, in a catholic country but you know we and Ireland's quite a superstitious place, you know. We're, they're always off doing novenas and blessing everything, you know. Like it's it it's there in the in the subtext. Um, but when uh, when I was traveling in in India, and um, as as listeners of the podcast will know, shooting shooting um, stories related to the jinn in in Delhi, I had a, a a whole host of experiences that really kind of made me kind of go, okay, this is these aren't coincidences this is you know i'm being messed with um that changed my view on things and really kind of really is the root of this podcast because fundamentally you know what you're talking about there about trying to help people make sense of what you were trying to make sense of um and the, and the knowledge that you gained through that experience is it, very similar to kind of what i was what the intention was with with, with this show and you know and interview people like yourself who have that experience and have that knowledge to really kind of add to the i guess to the to the to the the volume of knowledge that's out there from all the different perspectives that are available um so people can try and kind of piece it together in terms of their own individual experiences um but that brought me the, the whole thing about kind of islam and and, and the jinn and uh, and studying that my experiences with it um brought me back to my my roots as well it brought me back to ireland and kind of exploring what people were experiencing with, with the fairies and 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 the real the real you know frightening experiences people were having with the fairies but the thing that struck me about what you said as well is that having the tool set through whatever means that you can start to make sense of these experiences but also have some way of dealing with it you know, um, 
Abrahamic faiths, particularly Catholicism, has that lockdown in Western culture, right? So every time you, there's a horror film about a demon, who ends up there? It's, it's Father Murphy, you know, and Father Fratelli are the, are the, are the two guys that, you know, get rock up to deal with, with, the, with the demon. Um, and it's, it's always the same formulaic way, you know, or, or the haunting or whatever. But it makes the person who's experiencing this and the family who's experiencing that, they're all lost at sea. They're all entirely dependent on the faith, you know, and add adherence to the faith. There's no other options to them. You know, it's like you throw, they throw holy water around it and kind of that's it. Whereas exploring these territories and, and, and witchcraft and on all the different facets and all the different practices that, that, that make up um, the occult, it gives people direct tool sets to use, you know, and I'm not talking smudging, you know, I'm talking kind of beyond that in terms of like their, their, their bathing practices, how they treat the space, what they allow into the space, ancestor worship, ancestor practices, that stuff that builds one's to quote kind of a Thelemic phrase builds one body of light, but extends that into space. That's all available where it's not as available I think directly and, and do challenge me if you think I, if I'm reaching. No, out. no, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally on your wave. I, one of the, so I'm, I'm writing this crystal book right now. And um, one of the things I love the most about it is that my particular take on crystals is, is more kind of sciencey than I, than I think a lot of people tend to be. And I really love um, getting into, you know, the actual earth science of how did this thing form and, you know, so on and so forth. And so I started tracing, because um, we can actually trace, if we, if we really get really sciencey about it, we can trace our own existence, you know, back to the um, creation of something that we, we refer to as Luca, which is the last universal common ancestor. And Luca is the, would have been the, the thing that was the kind of the creature that we, we evolved from. Um, all, all animals would evolve from, all plant life would have evolved from. We actually have a common ancestor. And so we can go back even further and uh, we can see that, you know, life is really just a bunch of chemicals that were stimulated the right way, right? And so if we if we want to get really sciencey about it we can you know we can absolutely trace our own origins to the mineral kingdom i mean we can literally do that um and i love that and so i started thinking about that and i started thinking about civilization you know and all this stuff and so the planets went around for for millions of years and human modern humans have existed for about two hundred thousand years we have the oldest like recorded civilization that we know of is about six thousand years old so for 194,000 years, humanity ha was roaming the planet with, you know, doing God knows what until we figured out how to get along and create tribes and eventually civilization and, you know, all this good stuff. But for the most part, we were, it was us and the world and we were with the elements and, you know, our ancestors would not have had the privilege of, you know, we say this like, you know, they wouldn't have the privilege of turning lights on. They wouldn't have the privilege of, of watching TV and, you know, or going to a priest, as you said. And so when things would come up, our ancestors would have to deal with them. And, and they were very real experiences. And we can look back and say, absolutely, there were some weird, chaotic, barbarian, you know, crazy shit that would happen and sacrifices. And, and, other, and we could all look at that and say, no, that's, that's, that's wrong. We don't want to do that. But why were they doing it? What was the impetus for them to say we need to sacrifice 16 cattle or we need to kill you know five children like why were they doing that it, it went beyond just a superstitious belief they were having these interactions with something that was leading them to believe this is how to you know take care of it and if we if we just stop for a moment and we we get off our high horses as a species and we remember that you know the way that we look at each other has only been around for about six thousand years um, we, we can see that, that we have a much greater history. We have a much longer history of dealing with the spiritual than we do, you know, looking at it from the lens of science and, and all of these other things. And I, I think it's really important, you know, you were, you were mentioning, you know, fairies. One thing that I really love to talk about is the relationship between fairies and aliens. 
um, because you know it was all about fairy abduction up until a certain point, and then suddenly it was alien abduction. And the same things are there: lights, missing time, um, you know, having strange experiences with your body. You know, all of those same things are there. It's just suddenly we're referring to them as aliens because, and it was right about the time of the A bomb. So, you know, we have all of these fairy abductions and all these fairy experiences, and then suddenly we do the A-bomb, we, you know, we create that, and then now we have UFOs, and we have alien abductions, and things get um, scary, but in a, in a different sense. You know, before it was, these are the spiritual people, these are the spiritual things, and now these are the unknown things. Well, that's how our ancestors would have looked at it. They would have looked at fairy encounters just as we are looking at alien encounters it would have been the exact same thing it just you know from a different perspective that was somebody on a motorcycle going across um and so you know it's it's i think it's worth noting as what i'm trying to get at is the idea that we actually need to take a step back and and honor and respect the experiences that we have as individuals and not go straight to trying to um make sense of them from a very left brain perspective. And this has been a big thing for me recently. I, you know, I'm writing this crystal book and, and because I am so sciencey and because I do tend to have a, a, a questioning mind, I, I, well, I like wrote myself into a logic hole where I was like, none of it, like how, if I believe all of this stuff because of, you know, what I know of science and, and this is real and I can hold this and it's measurable and it's tangible that means all this other stuff is bull crap. Like it has to be just absolute crap because this, there's no way that this stuff that we learn in science can, you know, translate into this stuff. And the truth is no, that's not true because I have personally had experiences where I've worked with a crystal and, it, and I can feel something off of it that I can't explain other than there is the sensation that there is something emanating from this stone and I am perceiving it with my physical senses. This is really happening to me. And it's also happening to all of these other people independently. And so does science say that we as, you know, the human energy field is sensitive enough to pick up whatever, you know, energy is pulsing from a crystal? No, but does it say that it's possible? Yes, you know? And so I think it's important to, to be able to hold both of those things, be the skeptic and be the, the believer. But in being a believer, it, I think the important thing is to really lean in on your gnosis, your personal experiences. All of these crystals, you know, you, you look up amethyst and it's got this whole list of meanings and this whole list of correspondences. That all came from somebody's gnosis. That was somebody sitting down going, I think this stone is this. That, that's where it came from. So why is that more valid than you walking up to a piece of amethyst and saying, I think it's going to work for this, right? If you're trained and you are sensitive and you are in alignment and you know your shit, you totally can go do that. You don't need to look at somebody else's gnosis to get you know, verification on what it is that you're experiencing. And ultimately what makes us powerful as a cultist is that that becomes our reality, right? That we really lean in on this idea that the way I understand the world is, what is the way the world is constructed. And that can be challenged and changed, but what gives me the ability and the authority to use magic and to, you know, to sculpt my life is that I have an understanding of the way it works. And if, you know, so if you're somebody who's, you know, overwhelmed by life and it's really confusing and, and you just don't know what to do and you, and you feel stuck, your magic is going to reflect that, right? But if you can take a step back and say, okay, well, I got into this situation because I made this decision. And while I'm not responsible for the way they responded to something, I am responsible for what I did in response to their response, right? And so you can look back and, and you can really understand that there are pockets here and every, I mean, there's always opportunities to take responsibility, to grow, but it really takes the ability to look at yourself and to be in harmony with yourself, whether we're talking magic or not. And ironically, those things are connected, right? You're, if you have, you follow your word, if your word means something to you when you give your word and you, um, you know, you, you, if you say you're going to do something, you do it. If you say you're going to show up, you show up all of that impacts your magic, right? Because it, it means every time you do that and you follow through it, you're saying my word is true. And so when you go to cast a spell, you have this thing in the back of your mind that says, no, my word is true. I have proof, I have evidence. I have, I have an intuitive understanding of this because of the way that I have responded in the past. So I, I think it's really important that we, as, as a cultist, just lean in on ourselves and our experiences. We trust ourselves a little bit more. And, um, and know that that's not going to look like everybody else's stuff. And that's why we talk. 
that's why we 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 have the ability to or we have the not the ability but necessarily the craving to go communicate with each other and say hey this weird thing happened and through that we can listen to other people's experiences other people's perspectives and hopefully absorb what is valid for our experience right and then move forward and i don't think that that, that necessarily needs to trump logic but i think it needs to be um, in balance with logic i think it's a very important thing yeah i mean i just i couldn't agree more <laughs> i think i think you're bang on with it you know uh, I, I really do um and it's and, and that's the bit that I, I just find hugely empowering hugely empowering it, it is ultimately you know it's just it's it's you know it's know thyself you know uh, and and that practice that 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 uh you know be it as, as you were describing that kind of integrity with your word you know what does that mean for you long term how does that pan out in 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 your practice i think there's, there's so many many aspects of, of um of elements like that in in, in one's practice that, that make a huge difference i mean the, the thing for me is, is consistency you know um and that's really brought me to a, a place where i i kind of think well with consistency i can do anything I can really probably achieve anything as long as I'm consistent, you know, and, but to be consistent takes a huge amount of discipline, a huge amount of self-control, you know, to, when those, those days where you're like, oh, shit, oh, I won't do it today. Sure, never mind. Because you do one day, then it becomes two days and becomes three days and before you know it, you've lost the habit. And it's, it's that consistency for me is, is, is the key, you know, um, and, we always have specific gifts that there's some bits that we're talented bit. There's some bits that we're less talented at, you know? Um, and the, like, when I think about photography, it's like consistency and practice will make anyone a good photographer might make you a great photographer, but it will make you a good, one. it'll make you a better one, you know? Um, and that's one of the things that, that I learned from that, from, from that part of my life, that part of my career just every day every single day take some images always 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 practice 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 and and whatever it is and you you you, you will achieve that element i know it's a it's a broader piece but um i do feel it's, it's resonant to what you're saying um because ultimately you know i can use my camera without the, i can do a proper kind of mr miyagi style blindfolded <laughs> I can use all the controls on, on my camera. And that's it, because I know I can take a good image. You know, and it's, it's very similar to, to to what you're describing. At least I think it is. Um, well, yeah, but also, I mean, you're not you're not just a magical person or a witch or whatever when yeah. you're practicing, right? When you're actually practicing witchcraft, you're a witch all the time. Yeah. So all of those little, like, for me, music is a really big deal. I was, uh, I was very lucky to have um, been a professionally trained musician and singer. Oh, cool. and, um, in that experience, you know, you got to show up, you got to practice. I mean, and, and mm. usually that would be at least four hours of practice, you know, mm. on a weekday and on a weekend, six hours a day. So, mm. you know, that was the intense regimen. And, and something I wrote about in my first book was that it, that taught me to actually go into what we refer to as a state of flow. Mm. And flow is the psychological term for ecstasy. So when we when we think of slipping away into a state of ecstasy, you get that experience through, you know, music and through if you're if you're a dancer, if you're a performer, you you show up on stage, you start your thing, your body knows what to do because you practice so many times, your mind can really just tune into the experience and you lose time. You you know, it feels like you were there for 2 minutes and you were really there for 20. And all of those markers, you know, are there. And so I learned how to, how, this is what I tell people, I learned how to talk to, you know, the divine ultimately um, through being a performer, you know, just happen to show up on stage and do my thing and, and be able to walk away from that. And I think that that only could come from practice, right? I knew, my, my body knew what to do, my mind knew how to do it. And so my spirit was able to soar. I didn't, it didn't have to moderate the other two or be, you know, looking at the praxis and how do I get from this point to this point? I already knew it. It was ingrained in my body. Um, and so I was able to let go and, and it was from that experience. So, you know, whether we're talking about photography or we're talking about, you know, music or poetry or any of those things, 
the more you allow yourself to develop a, you know, the skill set, the more you actually allow yourself to, to fly on that skill set and go into a state of flow. You know, when you're think about like, when you are, when you're really in the flow and you really love what you're, what you're doing, you just don't want to stop taking pictures. And then you go to edit those photos and you're there for 16 hours and you don't even realize it because you're just so in the groove and you're so there communicating to really God knows what, while this is happening. Right. And so it's, I think it's a beautiful thing. I think practice makes, gives us the ability to take the talents that are inherently inside of us and to really hone them so that they become skills because talent isn't necessarily a skill set. Um, and, and that's what it takes. And I think there is magic in that. I think that there is, at the very least, there's training for the mind in those things. Yeah. And, and, and the interesting, I think, thing with that as well is that it, it will bring you back to a spiritual place you know through that discipline and through that practice it will bring you back to a spiritual place certainly you know I, I look at my own photographic work you know i got to know an awful lot more about my grandfather and my and my great-grandfather my ancestors through photography you know and i feel i've got a very very kind of strong lineage through like a photographic lineage and a, and a, and a creative lineage through them you know um and, and, and through my, my mother as well but like it's that's connected me to them in a way that it wouldn't, I wouldn't have only I, I kind of went down that path, went down that practice and and it, and it kind of in a, in a more protracted way, it's brought me back to understanding, you know, Ireland and my home and the, the, the understanding of the way people th used to think in, in, in mythos, you know, rather than logos up to a very recent period. And, and that really has, you know, it's been hugely empowering, hugely empowering for, uh, for me and on, on an individual basis. So I, I do think there's, even with that solid practice and whatever it is, eventually you get to some sort of spiritual place. You see it in fighters all the time. You know, they talk about kind of, you know, fighting like, like things like Muay Thai, or I, I don't know if you've practiced any of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, a lot of it is that like, it's just, brutal how much punishment can you take how much punishment can you give and then eventually there's the plateau and there's a breakthrough and that breakthrough is this place of, of understanding kind of the ebb and flow of energy you know and sensing people's movement and then beyond that to kind of like you know we, we, we don't even we don't even need to fight all that kind of stuff um i'm not articulating very broad but you, you know you know what i'm trying to get to all right so i want to take a change of, i want to take a change of direction um so i showed you this before we started recording but we touched on crystals and it'd be remiss of me not to bring out th this big chap here um i'll uh i'll i'll put a, a photograph um in the show notes uh, or it'll be in the youtube video but that's the big himalayan crystal from the the foothills of the hilchmal production in india now i have to say i didn't bring it back from india it was a, a a chap i knew who traveled there about oh maybe 17 years ago brought it back and a couple of host crystals and um yeah basically had these and i was at some sort of hippie fair in the middle of where was i i think it was in norfolk or norwich wasn't this kind of um hippie camp and um you know he said what do, you, what do you think of these and i said i'll, I'll take the lot <laughs> and uh yeah i kind of bought this and a couple of other ones off him i really i am at a ridiculous price when i think about it but yeah i've had this for 17 years it's an absolute it's i mean it must be about whew, maybe 10 pounds or something it's like it's, it's very heavy so it's a big one what do you think it's it's a very pretty quartz. Um, so the the it's a big quartz too. That is a, that's a big chunk, and it has. So if you see all six um, uh, sides on top, yeah, all meet together in the center, and that makes it what we refer to as a generator quartz. And it doesn't always have to line up like super perfect because that yeah. isn't necessarily how nature works, but. Um, the idea, because in a lot of courts, you'll see, you know, it's, there's always the six, the six sides. Mm. Um, but a lot of the times you'll see two faces that will kind of merge first and then the other four kind of merge around it. And or, or the other two will merge around it. So you get this weird 
it's a crystal shape, but it's not that particular crystal shape. That is a desired crystal shape. Um, so thank you for 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 sharing your knowledge. And I'm I'm, I'm for listeners. Um, what went? Where's the best place for them to find you if they want to find out more about your work and and um, follow you? Where's the best place to do that? Uh, just go to modernwitch.com and um, you can find everything there. So we've got the we have a blog, there's a YouTube channel, there's um, a podcast, there's all kinds of stuff. And we're pretty active on social media. So um, it's me, it's mostly me, um, but there's a, a team of people who everyone's an author and, and a professional writer. And I'm really blessed to have this really good group of people to work with. So there's always, you know, we're always working on something. We're always putting something out. So uh, if you find us online, uh, the best place to go is, like I said, modernwitch.com, and you can find all of our social stuff. And um, I am at Mr. Devin Hunter on pretty much everything, and so you can find me there. And uh, whether it's Instagram or Twitter or whatever, I tend to be most active on Twitter. Um, so if you want to come say hi, come say hi there. And uh, otherwise, yeah, modernwitch.com is where it's at. Awesome. Well, I'll leave the links to everything in the show notes for people to to find you and uh, tap into some more of your your fantastic knowledge and experience. Um, thanks for having me it's been an absolute pleasure Devin. i've really enjoyed talking to you it's been a really good fun and uh thank you for your time it's been brilliant chatting to you well there you go i hope you enjoyed that so much to unpack there. I love Devin's reflections on his journey into witchcraft. I love his ideas about the lonely road and uh, ultimately uh, about commitment and one's word. I think um, there's some really great concepts to grab a hold there. Now, really, the idea of the lonely road is something I've been reflecting on since recording this show. I I think it's a very honest commentary on our individual journeys. It's not always to hear, uh, as most people are not comfortable with that knowledge. Being alone is hard, but if you can accept that knowledge, that understanding of that's what life is like, and if you can become accepting of your true individuality and your spiritual sovereignty from that perspective... How much would it change your behavior? How much would you do differently if you were doing it for yourself, for your own spiritual development? Now, of course, the converse is true. We are all connected. We're all interrelated. We are, in my opinion, expressions of the same thing, experiencing itself subjectively. Now, I know that's not a unique observation. It's not a unique opinion. But, we still walk a lonely road and we walk it alone. Not in isolation, it's a separate thing, just alone. But take heart in that all our greatest travels are by ourselves. Talk soon. <laughs>